Welcome to episode 105 of the Collector's Quest podcast. Today I'm interviewing Steve Torres. I brought him back on the show and he is going to talk to us about a lot of things. Just me and him on this one. And he's telling us what it takes to run an arcade because he's successfully opened two and he just opened a new store, Lost Levels Claremont. And he runs a successful convention called Retro City Fest, which the next one is coming January 5th and 6th, 2019. He's going to tell us a lot about that. We also talk about whether we think the video game bubble is actually bursting. He gives us a retailer perspective on that. He lets us know what he thinks in this arena. Quick note before we get to the show. This is going to be a wild time. We just hit our three-year anniversary. We'll be doing some more specials. I'm going to have an episode that was pre-podcast, like one of the first audio things I ever recorded that I'm going to share with you guys. I've got an interview outside of our collecting sphere that I'm working on right now that I hope to maybe premiere in like uh, Thanksgiving around that week. It's our third year. A lot of exciting things are happening. I'm trying some new stuff. I got the guys coming back on the next episode. They're still here. Don't worry about that. I want to thank everyone for sticking with us for three years. I know you're like, what is Johnny doing on the bumper? Because it's been so long. I had to edit this one myself. So blame me for any of the audio quality on this. Uh, This one will be my fault, not Tyler's. Leave Tyler alone. Okay, the other thing I'm going to ask you, and you know, it's what I ask every time I do this, is that you please, please go to iTunes and just give us a rating. We don't ask for money. We just ask for a little bit of your time. Go ahead. Give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Again, thank you very much. I sincerely mean that for sticking it out for this long. There's a lot of stuff happening. I didn't think we were going to make it this far. So for us to be here is incredible to me. So thank you again. Now time for the show. of Collector's Quest. I'm here flying solo without the rest of the crew, except I have an interviewee. I promised you guys more, and I'm bringing you more. Today we have Steve Torres, you know, one of our uh, Collector's Quest alum here. He's been on the show quite a few times. You may know him as Super Video Game Bros, and if you're following him on Instagram, you may have seen that he's got a new store called Lost Levels Claremont, but I'm confused, Steve. I, I have a lot of questions, so first off, hello, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me again. Uh, it's it's great, man. But I, I need to know. I brought you back because I, I have too many questions for you. Yeah, we, 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 we work a lot and let our business do the talking. But um, I think this one needs a little bit of explanation. Yeah, so why don't, uh, yeah, well, tell me, like, what happened? Because Super Video Game Bros was a thing and now new store? Uh, explain yourself. Sure. Well, we opened up Lost Levels in downtown Fullerton about three years ago. And I really enjoyed myself with that brand. It offered um, my ability to share our, you know, our collection of arcades. And um, also, it was a retail shop. So we did a little bit of both. So essentially, it was Super Video Game Bros with an arcade. Um, So Super Video Game Bros is great. But I hit the 10-year mark in June, and I decided, I think that's enough. I think this is the official 
end of the beginning. Um, I have a brand that I want to go off with, and I think it's more marketable if I open up a second location as Lost Levels. That way, we're officially a chain. So um, I put the rest to SVGB name. Um, I thought 10 years was sufficient, and I've had a blast. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a little bit bittersweet, sweet, but I was more excited, if anything, because I know um, the spirit of Super Video Game Bros is within Lost Levels and the whole business motto and our following. You know, they had that transition for that uh, short period of time to understand that we're now Lost Levels. So opening up that second location in Claremont, which is a dream location, um, was um, was great. You know, it was fun. Um, so but we are steering more towards entertainment. You know, we want to provide, you know, fun for families and people that, you know, want to come in and play a classic arcade. And uh, we also sell games, you know, and, um, you know, and when you run a business for a while, you want to have the ability to, to look forward and evolve and not just stay only something. And I thought us just being a retail store was great. Um, and it was good, but I, I wanted something more. I wanted to um, grow from just there. So let me, let me ask you then, let me interrupt. Uh, so SVGB was, was doing fine. This was not a, a change out of necessity. This is a change out of desire. Well, you know what? Maybe um, it was a change uh, out of desire for sure. But I do see uh, the decline in the, in the market. I do see um, maybe another five years where it's a possibility where you're looking at your numbers and saying, like, is this enough to keep running this shop? Um, so I, I think it's a little bit of both, but again, I, I, I said it before, it's a little bit of forward thinking. Um, and when you're in business, you want to evolve and offer different products and change because sometimes what's hot one, one decade, may not be hot another. And, um, this was, this was closed on my own. Oh, will, um, it wasn't forced or anything, anything like that. If that's what you're asking, it was just more of a like, okay, it's a transition period. Let's just make it happen. Uh, yeah, it was more of a, you know, a, you know, a shop closes and just to be clear, you've closed down SVGB, Super Video Game Bros, and you've, you've moved on to this new venture. You hear like, oh man, do you hear this place closed? Oh, video game stores are going out of business left and right. So I just kind of wanted to address like, sure. where, well, where, where you're forced is a, at. There's two cities out. So if I were to keep SVGB open, I would be competing with myself. And plus, it was really confusing explaining our brands like, oh, yeah, come over here. Here's a shop. This has one name. Here's a shop that has another name. So it was just a little bit of a logistics thing where it's like, it would be nice just to advertise Lost Levels. Come visit our locations. And at Lost Levels, I mean, is a better name, too. It's more marketable. Um, you know, and, and Super Video Game Bros just kind of got it started. Well, and it is, like you said, it was the evolution of what the business was. You you opened your first store. You evolved it to have some arcades. And that continued to grow, and you know, as you've done that, you you're wrapping it all up into this evolution, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, so uh, it's very exciting that you've opened a new store. One, congratulations on that, because that's amazing that you've been, because you've been in the game for you know over a decade now, and you've been doing this. This is the third store you've you've taken and and pushed out out into the world. And uh, so so tell me about this new one. Why Claremont? Like. Was Claremont the city you wanted to be in? Was like, were you looking other places? How how did you get to here? How did you decide on this? Well, I grew up in the area, and um, I've always known that Claremont was like target one on our list of places to open up. Fullerton was top five, um, but it wasn't number one. But you kind of have to just wait for something to open up. You know, you kind of when when a location is good, it, it shouldn't be available, right? <laughs> Right. So when it's hot, it's a hot commodity. It's something that you have to keep fighting for and looking into and doing research on. 
So it was important to kind of like just keep waiting um, until we see um, a location that was, you know, going to set us up for success there. And uh, Claremont is definitely a place of that because it, it, it's a place that really loves vintage. It's a place that understands and appreciates the past. And it has a place called Rhino Records, which they've been there for years and years and years that sell records and sell CDs. And there's and they actually have a video rental store next to them. Remember those? Yeah, vaguely. <laughs> and that's, that's been open for years. And they have another place called a shop called Quests. And we're essentially the missing media, which I've been surprised. And, I, and I'm not really that surprised because I've been fighting to get into Claremont. But um, I've been fighting as an arcade, um, not just a retail store. But I was kind of surprised to see not there's any video game stores pop up in that area. You know, I was keeping my fingers crossed and always looking for a, a good location. Um, but Claremont is just with open arms greeting us. You know, our first week is such a success already with people just walking up and finding us. And she's can't ask for any more. So, uh let's let's talk a little bit about the store so you guys opened uh you had a soft launch and then so this is your first official week open now yeah we've been openly open officially eight days now eight days and so by the time people listen to that this will probably be about you know uh 10 days to two weeks Yeah. yeah so you'll you've you're off to a running start but you said you've had a lot of people just find you uh just walking by because it seems like you've got this sweet natural pairing of of all the retro goodness so you've got people who should be naturally inclined to to walk into your store here absolutely you know they they see an arcade and the way our setup is they it's like a bunch of windows so they see an arcade through the windows they see us building it and they're all excited and word of mouth spreads um and it's, it's just you know it's so awesome it's so awesome to see all these people just happy to see you there so I want to dive into just a little bit because, you know, it's great for me and all of our, and we do have a lot of base in Southern California, but you know, we have listeners all over the place. So I'm sure they want to know what, I mean, cause you've done this three times. So give us some insight. What does it take to open an arcade? Like, what does it take to open a store? Like what, what are the pitfalls? How scary is it to, to walk out in the, you know, into the world and put that big, big a chunk of money on the line and say, all right, I stand up. I believe in this. Clearly, you've done it successfully two other times, so you know you, you know what the risks are. So it may be explained to our listeners. It's really it's really your team. You know who who you have on board, what employees you have on that time to make these things possible. Um, and and you know the business motto of what we created is something that I truly believe in because it's something that's a product that I would use. It's a product that I want to go to. So that's that's kind of how I always gauged our business. Even when I opened up Super Video Game Bros 10 years ago, I wanted to open up a store that catered for collectors. It wasn't just a, a video game vendor that would just throw stuff in the display case, dusty, dirty, and just ask you know, a lot of money for it. You know, we were our, our business model was to help people collect, complete their collections. Now our business model has shifted a little bit to like, we want you to play your collections <laughs> and we want you to come to an arcade, to a, to a place that has arcades and pinball. And I've noticed doing that in Fullerton, you know, people noticed, um, I've noticed people love pinball and they never played it before. So now that you come to like, to the realization is like, this stuff is not available for people. This brand of Lost Levels is, is awesome because this is a new experience for a lot of people and revisiting for a lot. So it wasn't really a portion of me, like not truly believing. It's just understanding the location of where one needs to be. And, um, so yeah, it's just passion, you know, passion. I love, I love what I'm doing and I know it'd be successful. 
So you said you said about the location. Um, so when you're targeting to to open up a new business, I mean, clearly you scouted out Claremont. You looked at this. So knowing your location, you would say is a key factor. It just depends on the business. You know, okay. it really does. Super Video Game Bros is located in more of a, a um, like a designation location where people would travel and drive right off the freeway. But we were more of a, a niche business where people would come and buy video games. Okay. And uh, no matter what I'm selling or from there, people want to go visit that location to buy that game because they've been looking for it. Whereas an arcade needs to be a little more accessible for people to kind of walk up and play. Um, you know, um, not just kind of like off to the side somewhere hidden. You yeah, know, you, you have to have some exposure, some walk, some foot yeah, traffic. Totally, totally. And then having the arc, um, the retro gaming shop there helps out too because we've been getting a lot of trades. You know, Claremont's kind of like untapped. There's really no competition in the area. Um, so that's another great thing. You're finding a lot of good stuff uh, from people coming to you and trading and selling stuff to you. So um, the business model of the the retail is doing really well. Um, you know, it, it does better than the arcade, of course. Um, but, you know, um, I think having um, two different um, ways of generating revenue is important nowadays for a business. Uh, have you found then, because you transitioned, you made this leap initially with Fullerton. Have you, so you found that having, you know, this, not not even two revenue streams, but two reasons to walk into the store. Have you seen that transition of of people who just came in for arcades and then suddenly were trading in games and then became become buyers and became customers of yours after that more than just wanting to play arcades? Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the first people that walk into an arcade that hasn't been into one, they start looking at the consoles and start getting ideas like, I could have this in my house and I could have these little parties at my house and they start buying collections of games and the party games at first, the GameCubes, uh, controllers, Mario Kart, Smash Bros, all that stuff. And that just gets them started. And then they want to go back to playing Super Nintendo. And it's just a great transition, you know, getting people in there to play arcades and reminding them how fun it is. So arcades require a lot of work. How how hard is it now now that you've been in this for a while and now you've expanded to pinballs and those are their own their own, uh, you know, beast of themselves? Like, how much work does that take to to maintain the arcades? Are you worried about the clientele, like, you know, it's like damaging the machines? I mean, they're old machines, too, so is there any worries about that? Like, what's the upkeep like on that? The upkeep's a lot, you know. Um, Maintenance, probably monthly, is probably, like, clears over $3,000 for both stores. Um, Just replacing buttons, replacing, you know, monitors, full monitors, or doing recaps on monitors. Um, pinball is easy. I, I don't know what people tell tell you pinball is hard. I think that's a myth for the pinball community to try to make people scared of using pinball or operating pinball. But pin, pinball is way easier than an arcade um, because I could bo- I could go buy those parts. Those parts are available to replace. And of course, I'm not going to be operating some old Atari pin, you know. But yeah. I'll be op- operating some of the newer ones and some maybe like past ten years, which the parts are there available. I can't go buy a new monitor. Once those things goes out, not, I, I either have to figure out how to replace the chassis or um, restore the, the, the chassis completely or rejuvenate the monitor or just do monitor swaps if I have another one, you know. But I, I kind of realized that I need to just be a part order for a while. But there's going to be a day where there's not going to be any monitors to replace, so I'm kind of uh, concerned. Okay. Um, I'm hoping maybe the maybe somebody will open up a, one of those older uh, manufacturing places to start making tubes again. Um, but there, I would say like in the next 15 years, it'll probably be more of an issue. 
Because all, all the arcades I've restored, I restored a bunch since the opening of Fullerton, and they've all been bulletproof ever since. So I would say they have, and they've been on every day. So I would say they have a good shelf life of maybe like eight years. Um, and then we take them to places that are kind of respected with the exception of the fair. Um, the LA fair, they got pretty beat just from that public, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, you just, it's like owning a classic car, you know, you have to, you have to know how to work on it. You have to know what it needs. You have to, you have to just make little checklists. We have in the back of arcades, little paperwork and uh, checklists that we made saying that this has been recapped on this day or, you know, the power supply might be due soon. Here's the part. It's just kind of like an operational thing for the arcade. You know, we don't have to re-inventory an arcade per se, but we have to make sure it's up and running. So we have to be ready to replace those parts. So when something comes down, most of the time we're able to fix it on the spot. Okay. And that, you know, this leads me into just for my, for my other listeners who are still like, I one day want to have something like this. I want to, I want to, I could open a shop like this. I mean, having the right people, you said your team is important, but you know, having someone you like or even someone you trust is great, but how do you, how do you find someone with that knowledge set? Is that like something you had to train yourself and your team on or, you know, like what was the process that? Because it's not like everyone just knows how to repair a, a pin or an arcade. It's, it's a kind of a specialized skill set. It's kind of a dying art, unfortunately. Um, it, it turned into a hobby. You know, it was a hobby um, while I was um, in the middle of my uh, retail company. And I started buying arcades when no one was caring, you know, picking up like centipedes that were for like 100 bucks, Smith ones, which now they're like a thousand. And uh, I started to, to fix them when they started to break and started understanding what it need needed. So now, you know, opening up the second arcade, you, you have to train people um, how to fix things. And and that's 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 the hard part um, of just gathering a good team. And um, I'm really excited and happy to say that I've had the same group of employees for the last three years like our newest employees like three years ago and what retail video game company could just really say that you know gamestop has like a month-to-month turnover oh yeah and, their turnover rate is horrible and i understand why you know uh, you, they don't treat people like people you know um and you get to treat them and, and take care of them and cultivate them and make them understand that hey you know what you work here now but whatever skills you learn here you can take elsewhere um, and, uh, a lot of them understand that and a lot of them stay because they're, they keep learning, you know, uh, we're not just a, a retail company as well. We run the California's largest, um, retro gaming convention. So, um, I think the experience that they get there, um, makes them stick around a little longer and they see what we're doing and they get excited. You know, our whole team gets excited and without a, a really solid, solid team, I couldn't do any of these businesses or myself, even just hiring people off the street. No way. Cause it takes passion. It takes passion, attention to detail, and um, it takes it, it takes a skill which is is not it's not a common skill, which is taking care of others, taking care of people. You know, they walk into that door, you make sure they feel important, and you grow a relationship with each and every one of those people that walk into that door. Yeah, that's you know the nature of the business is hard, and then being able to have teams that will trust you and you know because you as a team, if people don't know, it's very hard to work anywhere. If you can't rely or trust the people around you, Absolutely. not just to do their job, but just in general, it's one thing if you if someone's competent in their job, but if you feel like they can't trust them, then outside of the job, that makes it hard to do. So to find a group that you that you trust and you can rely on is uh, is special and it's hard. And I don't think people appreciate exactly how difficult it is. They think, oh, I can just go do this and I'll just grab somebody and I'll pay a minimum wage and it'll be fine. And that 
that's not real. No, it really isn't. If you want good quality people, that isn't. And we've bled together. We've fought together. So it's we have this like connection where we can feel like we could do everything. So just a little insight of what our team can do. Um, 16 days from when we seen that sticker on the, on the window and from us being open, it only took us 16 days to open up Claremont. Wow. Permits and all. So that that's just of experience of running things. And uh, I'm really proud of the team. And this couldn't have been done without all any of us. So each and every one of us is super, super valuable <laughs> in, yeah. in, in what we do. So if you have a team like that and you feel like you could do stuff like that, then, yeah, I invite you to, to start your businesses and do stuff. But, you know, uh, it has to start slowly. You know, how long was I by myself or with an employee here and there, you know, running Super Video Game Bros? Long it time. took a while. It took a while. And that's OK, because you have to understand what you want to do. You're growing a brand. You're growing your you're, you're growing your business mission and motto. Just not for just that first business, but for for your future businesses. And uh, you start to grow and take off once your team starts to stick around. Excellent, uh, and and thank you for for sharing all that. And I, I hope your team members take a listen because those are those are hearty compliments. Um, I, I have some questions now just about the store itself. How many? Because I, I well, like let's do a little dichotomy, like. Lost Levels Fullerton, Lost Levels Claremont. How many arcades in uh, each? Uh, we have 25 in Claremont. I want to say 29 and then Fullerton. Okay. And, and is the square footage of the store similar? Yeah, kind of. Uh, Fullerton is 1,800 and Claremont's 14. Okay. And what about pins on, on each one? Uh, Fullerton is going to be the designated pinball hall. Right now we have four pins, but we are planning to have 15 to 20 by the end of next year of the end of 2019 we're going to have about 15 or 20 pins there um i feel like orange county that whole area really loves pins i think everybody loves pins of course but the floor plan and 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 opening a claremont kind of opened my eyes a little bit to grow lost levels a different way i did something called fire mountain dojo there which is just a fighting you know fighting a, a section in our in our store in claremont and we only have two pins in claremont so i think we'll always only have two pins and i'll probably mix them but okay. I think Fullerton, I want to turn into a major pin hall because I want people to have reasons to visit all your locations. You know, we'll have all the classics like Tapper and Frogger and Tron at Claremont. And then we'll have the fighting scene downstairs. And then Fullerton will have all the rhythm games and all the pinball. And I think that's a cool little combination. Of course, Fullerton's going to have a Street Fighter a cab and like uh, some other cabs here and there um, just to kind of share, just like how Claremont has two pins. I think I kind of want to kind of take a page out of fries if you will and have like a, a different theme on every lost levels okay and how often are you you getting new pins and, and arcades in because i know pins and the arcades that people see aren't all the arcades and pins you have i mean maybe now that you've got two stores to spread them through but how often do you like rotate inventory so rotating inventory really depends on what the clientele wants so we opened up the shop in Claremont with a good section of arcades and, and even classics. Um, we're we're going to decide to take uh, Donkey Kong 3 back home and probably put a Galaga in there and add a Pac-Man. Um, I'll probably end up taking R-Type out because it's one of my favorites. And not many people like playing it because it's hard. But um, I, I throw it in there to kind of see who likes it. Of course, all these arcades are going to be available at Retro City Fest on free play. Um, but we do have a big collection ourselves. Um, we Between, um, there's four of us. Between four of us, we own like 150 arcades. Okay, um, wow. So yeah, it's quite quite a bit. And um, 
it's kind of nice to open up a, a another arcade because we're ready. We're excited. They're like, okay, we're going to put it in here like a bunch of nerds. You know, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> so well, laying it out, like, yeah. hey, do you guys fight about it? Do you fight about which ones are going in and which ones aren't? Mm, I think we're all supposed to be fighting about it, you know, because yeah. I, oh, I, yeah, like, no. I like I like people that push, you know, I like people that says, you know, let's do this because they come with better ideas. Um, oh yeah, everyone, you know, if you if you face no resistance, then you'll gain no strength. Exactly. Yeah. So like they they come up with better ideas or they come with different angles or makes you even think a little more how you want to do things and that's kind of how how fire mountain dojo came up about and it's like you know what it would be cool if we just had like this basement filled with brawlers and fighters <laughs> and i just thought like going with that was cool and then having upstairs just the classics but yeah we all we all we all kind of agree um matt matt and i own the business but we work with uh, uh jay and steve a little bit on on the arcades because they help us with retro city fest as well so i think we all agree that we kind of like this whole theme idea so we'll and, see how that how Fullerton takes it when we start adding a bunch of pinballs there. And I, I'm excited to talk to you about Retro City Festival, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pin you here, uh, you know, dojo style for a second, because I want to hear about how things have transitioned in the business a little bit, you know, arcades and selling games, and and just because you have an insider's view on how people are buying and selling in the community, and you're in a large market, you're in Los Angeles, you're in a good place where you get to see how how things have changed like from frankincense to this like what the buying patterns of of retro collectors are it's a unique view and i was hoping maybe you could share that with us yeah no totally there's definitely with an evolution of a store there's definitely evolution of a collector you know if collectors have now figured out that like hey i could just go hunt this stuff and then sell some of it and make money to buy more of it and that's awesome that's great because that now provides another product that i could offer Instead of fighting it and saying like, hey, I'm going to be a retail store and try to fight you at a swap meet, I'm going to open up another company that caters to you guys. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's the kind of whole thing you have to kind of – my business only exists because of everybody, because of the community. You know, what I'll ever do is because of the community. So if I don't adjust what they want, then I'm a fool. You know, um, but the, 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 the industry as a whole is changing, you know, as far as – the exposure and, and the ease of access of people that are able to get things on a, on a better deal. And that's great. You know, I think it should be that way, you know, cause I think collectors, um, it's expensive. It really is. If you're going to always pay like retail on stuff, it just, it, it's not really that, you know, it's not really a thing that collectors want to do, you know, for the long run. Cause it's a very expensive hobby. It could be. So you got to do a little hustle yourself. And I, I kind of like seeing that and I'm, I'm, I'm eager to help and uh, grow that, you know, and it's growing. But unfortunately, if you're just a retail store, it's going to be kind of hard um, to kind of like com com compete against that because now you're essentially competing against people that don't have overhead that are buying stuff themselves and selling it on eBay and using that money to to, to feed their collections. Um, so I do see that being a problem in the next five years of people that just want to be retail stores. And um, it's interesting how each of these retail stores wish to have their own little events. And that's cool. And it's great. I love it all. But, um, you know, I'm going to have my own events, too, in Claremont. And um, I just think it's important to kind of, like, uh, understand where the direction of the of the, of the community is going. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's a really great thing um, for collectors. And I think that we're getting more collectors. Because I'll, I'll introduce a customer that comes in, buys a console, buys a bunch of games, new to the industry. And I'll tell them about the next event. And then they'll go. They'll go off. So we're kind of like feeding new people to come play and come join the party and join the event. But 
with every few people that join the community, some leave and some end up selling their whole collections because some are just kind of in it for like investment, which is awesome too, you know? Um, but yeah, it's just definitely, a, if you look up one game, uh, you know, on the, on the value of what it goes for is a big fluctuation. And it's been that way for about a year and a half now. So um, I don't think there's ever going to be this buzz, bubble bursting or a crash because it would have happened already. I just think there's going to be this kind of like this like juggle of, of values of stuff. What's your take on it? Um, well, you know, I, I see the game markets maturing, right? So I think there's a, a lot of places game collecting can go. And as you said, people, people worry because people cycle in and out of collecting. But I think to really understand that you have to understand the hearts of collectors. And you, you've seen this and you, you kind of touched on it. Collectors are collectors. It doesn't matter what they collect. They're, they're collectors. There's a switch inside. All the collector brains that, uh, you know, it goes on or, it, you know, it's either on or it's off. You either are a collector or you aren't. Like my wife, for instance, not a collector. She likes a few things. She'll go, I bought three of these. I'm like, yeah, well, there's a set of 100. She's like, yeah, but I only like these three. And my brain goes, what? The, well, what about the other ones? She's like, I don't care about the other ones. That's it. She's not a collector. She She didn't even think about those other 97 that were there. That's not her take. But collectors, they're going to cycle from games. You know, they cycled from comics to cards to video games and they'll cycle and toys and they'll continue through these collector cycles. So I'm not worried about like the market of video games, like totally crashing a bubble bursting because yeah, no. those collectors like collectors are always going to come Yeah, and they'll come in in different waves. And I, I've said that I people say, oh, the bubble, the bubble. And I'm like, well, collecting game collecting hasn't even reached its true height. If you ask my honest opinion. Game collecting is so small still, even though it seems like it's big, the value on games is not even that high. We say it's expensive, and it, and it is. It's expensive on a, on an everyman journey. Sure. But if you look at the price of the most expensive comic books, like the 20 most expensive comic books, and look at the, the 20 most expensive games, those comic collectors will laugh their head off yep. at uh, what those look like. And then, like, coin collectors. So... Once these, there are people who are collectors slash investors who look for opportunities, right? The minute they realize how cheap it is to own the rarest video games and stuff, you'll see those, those high end stuff start to get gobbled up and you'll see spikes, uh, of an even greater and higher nature that I don't think people are fully, uh, fully prepared to happen no. because I don't think we've hit the heights that we, that we can. I don't even think we've hit half. Um, it's yeah. increasing every year, you know, um, it's, it's, Whatever something's worth, and I was talking in Portland about an item, and then um, somebody was willing to drop down $100,000 that item, and the person selling that item was interested. And I looked at him, and like, I, I told him, like, that's not worth $100,000. It's worth way more than that because it, 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 it's just kind of like a one-of-a-kind kind of a thing, you know? Um, and how could you really value something right now? Because I think you're right. There's a lot of people that are jumping in right now, throwing a lot of money on stuff because they know this is like, this is going to skyrocket. Um, but it, then it comes to like another arena of collecting. That's like really high oh, yeah. end collecting. Cause it's, it's exactly. like, you have that separation gap of people that kind of like what people who collect carts and collect fleet boxes. There's a yeah. separation collector gap. There's going to be another separation because of people oh. who collect high end games and they're going to make it high end because that's kind of like the inner circle. I totally agree. Yep. I totally agree. And, um, we, our, our media is like the best media, you know, it's, it's, it's more than just like a comic book on a shelf. A comic book's great because it uses your imagination. And, and the art and the history, it came along with it. But video games is much different. You know, um, you could pop it in and hear its soundtrack. 
you know, and you, everybody has their own unique experience. And it's not just a quick read. It's hours of hours of gameplay at times. And then, of course, you get the appreciation of the appreciation of the box art, you know, uh, and you get all those all those no media com- competes because you're literally hitting almost every sense. <laughs> right. Well, and then like if you factor in that all the properties that have become video games that are popular properties, every Disney game. You know, the fact that Mario is its Nintendo is its own like big IP now. Mm-hmm. Every IP that's ever had a video game made for it brings a fan base that's looking for like collectors of a fan base, right? You might just be a Punisher collector. You collected all the Punisher comics. Now you want to buy all the Punisher games because you just love Punisher stuff or Batman stuff. Whatever. I don't think people think holistically how many things that games touch that appeal to collectors and different groups of collectors. And as we we're talking about that high end market. That's going to start to separate like people are like, oh, stadium events, $10,000 went. Well, when, when we get or whatever it is now, when we start to see stadium events at like $100,000, then then I think you'll know like, oh, oh, shit, that that was that was real. People really meant that. Yeah. And we're going to get there. Nintendo World Championships still underpriced, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. That, you know, there's, you there's so much barely history. protecting their their investments by getting them graded. You know, like this, that's barely yeah. ha- that's happening right now. And they're barely separating like, oh, I have a 7.5, a 8.5. That's all happening now. That's This is like, to me, almost the beginning, the early, early stages of what it's going to become later. And um, yeah, but that's I mean, just going to have... be a different type of market than what it is now. Um, all the yeah. all the things that happen nowadays with the, the meetups and the cartridges and all that stuff and the collectors, that's just, you know, that's just kind of for fun. And, and I think there's a little bit of a, a mini market as far as that and a hustle. That's why you hear a lot of people saying, oh, it's going to pop the bubble's going to burst. Because maybe that helps them justify them selling their collection, or you know maybe maybe they're paranoid of of losing on their investment. Where, where I don't care. I wish it all just crashes because I'll buy a lot of stuff, and I yeah, just I, I, I just want to have fun with it and play it, you know. And you know I, the one thing that won't crash is arcades. You know I noticed I noticed that ever since we opened up the arcade in Lost Levels in Fullerton, everything has tripled in value, and I'm shocked. It's only been three years, so. People have transitioned not just to collecting consoles and games, but they're not collecting arcades. Oh, look at the price of pins. Like yeah. the price, the price of pins in the last ten year have increased so much. It, it, like games that were like three thousand dollars are now ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars is not an absurd number anymore for a pinball machine. Sure, it's expensive, but no, that's about like right. For classic pins, yeah. that's like that's what it is. And now even new pins. Well, like between five and if you get the collector's edition, like seventy five hundred, eighty five hundred dollars for some of the like Jacks ones, it's crazy. Oh, Jersey Jacks was like nine to ten. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. There's a new paradigm shift there, and then I, I'm not worried about video game crashing. No. Sure, there'll there'll be shifts, there'll be there'll be peaks, and there'll be valleys. For the last like uh, five years, it's been increasing. Right. So. I mean, yeah, you know, net. Net change is still positive, and I don't. I think people forget that. Like, like look at the stock market. Oh yeah, crash. Housing market crash, but it it's it rises again. You know, so to think that it's just going like the idea that it's going to crash and die, I don't believe it. Do I believe that small dips can happen or you know variance happens? Of course, but uh, this big, you know, uh, meteor that ends the dinosaurs or the video games is happening. No, that's not happening, guys. No, it's not. There's more people getting into it as we speak. Yeah, there's uh, there's only ever more people on the planet, not less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Because I had, I, had, I had a kid before the phone call come in, and uh, he bought a, a Super Nintendo and Mario All-Stars, and he was probably like 13. 
And he went with his mom. His mom was super excited because that's what she played. And, you know, it just passed on. And he's, she's telling me that he's more interested in this stuff than new stuff. So, you know, it's just that's a start right there. And, and every day there's a new pe- new person getting into it. And he has um, the Internet as, a, as his disposal to, like, research and find which games are the best. So it's cool. It's really cool. And as nostalgia plays out and as video games become more of nostalgia properties, as they hit more medias, as you see more movies, like serious movies and serious, like, TV series and... Uh, you know, animation series based off of, of video game properties, you're going to start to see these things rise and expand even more. So, yep. yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. And you touched on the grading, new grading, better grading's coming. You've seen uh, the group WADA just enter the fray. And, you know, they're looking, those are people who looked at comic book grading and the way to take this more seriously than, than just VGA, which just kind of turns out, you know, some numbers like, they're getting serious. Like they, oh, yeah. if you saw them in Portland, they showed you what higher end collectors are starting to get graded and look at. So that to me is eye opening. Oh, right? absolutely. If you, if they're, you saw they're their smart because they, they saw the hole in the market and they want to provide. So yeah. Dennis is awesome. That Dennis's team is doing a great job with everything. Uh, they're going to be at a Retro City Fest too. Um, and I'm so. actually going to have them on the podcast in, in not too long. Yeah. But yeah, I like Dennis a lot, and I, I think you know even if their growth is slow in the end you know they're they're going to provide a service uh that's necessary too it takes game collecting to a next step is what i like about them and they do a fine job too i love how they grade stuff i do too so let's transition a little bit we we i I pinned you down in this conversation about video games um and let's let's talk conventions and you know there's there's a ton of conventions now there's a bunch of these mini Mini, I don't want to call them conventions. They're get-togethers, right? Meetups. Um, but you have a you have a real convention coming. So, Retro City Fest two. Yeah, Retro one? City Fest two, and uh, I wouldn't say real convention. I would say all these meetups are are also an amazing because it's kind of like all of us. We all meet. We all have a, a good a good old time. But I think Retro City Fest just raises the bar. Obviously, um, it's a larger party. You know, we have. We just make a bigger thing of it. It's seventy thousand square feet. It's a hall. It's a convention. It's a it's a dedicated convention just for the history of video gaming, and where we have hundreds and hundreds of arcades, pinballs, classic um, stations, hundreds of consoles and TVs. You'll pretty much see every single console there on for, on free play. There's going to be tons of tournaments this year. Um, productions dropped up, dropped jumped up really huge with stages everywhere. We have over seventy five vendors this time. Um, and these all, all these vendors have been like handpicked, if you will, um, um, that were awesome, that sold awesome product and treated customers great. Um, so I'm really excited for for the show. Um, also, we have music. You know, we have a good lineup of bands this year coming up, which will soon be announced, probably in the next couple of weeks. And um, yeah, Retro City Festival is awesome. You know, I'm excited to do the second one. The first one was huge. I got really scared when we started the first day because it was bigger and i set the bar really high and i was like holy crap how am i gonna how am i gonna beat it this, this next time because our only competition is ourselves that's how we truly believe as a business the only competition is ourselves and uh last year I was like how are we gonna outdo this you know we're kind of like borderline you know a little bit did i screw myself here but no this year we're looking at last year it's like oh that was cute you know this year it's just blowed up i just can't believe how awesome this year's coming together and now i'm worried for 2020 <laughs> Now you're worried, so, how, how do you outdo yourselves this time? Yes, and that's great. The, the best, if we keep pressuring ourselves to grow and we only compete with ourselves, then we're, and we're the best critic, I think that's a good way to start. 
Um, so that's what's really growing the business. And all of us are just extremely excited. Um, we just we just announced Walter Day. I'm so honored that he 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 want he puts us on the map as a, a you know a legit convention um, for retro gaming. And um, you know I'm really excited for what we're about to unfold this year. We want to we really want to show people the cult the culture of tournament fighting, tournament playing. In um, just various forms, you know, we have seven stages and seven tournaments going on this year, and uh, we have the Tetris West Coast Qualifier. Uh, we're gonna have the Nintendo World Champs '90. We're actually bringing the original winner from the '90 champ that he's never attended. He was kind of been underground this whole time. He's never attended a show ever. We're bringing him out to California um, for the first time ever, and we're bringing amongst other champions for NWC. Um, to come out, you know, and just kind of greet people. And then um, we're going to have a, a thing where the top four people that win this champion is going to challenge the original champions. So I think that's going to be pretty cool. And that then we have, cool. and then we have the, um, the Halo two tournament, a really good one this time, all freaking set, ready to go two v two. We've had so much requests on this one for the last, you know, couple times. And we're just like, maybe next year, next this year, we couldn't even hold it together. People are like, dude, you guys have to have this. So we're doing it, um, and we're working on um, Arcade Works is working on one that we're about to announce. I kind of want to wait to announce that one. Um, Retro World Series is coming out. Um, Hal is awesome. He does his awesome setup, which is various consoles, and he, ch- he does challenges all around the world. So he's a really cool setup. And then Fire Mountain Dojo obviously is doing theirs, um, and then we have other um, uh, another tournament company that's about to announce in two weeks. Uh, it's pinball based, and we're gonna hopefully be official. Um, um, an official tournament um, place to come visit for pinball. So we'll have about 30 pinballs there. But um, Retro, City, Retro City Festivals will be known for uh, tournaments, um, music, and arcades. You know, a vendors is a, is a, is a given because uh, the amount of vendors we always have and the amount of amazing vendors that always come to our show. Like, each one of these vendors are to give you so many great deals. And uh, we've had such a splash of interest this year, so much so where we don't even have our own booths this year. We don't. Um, Lost Levels won't have their own booth. I won't have any retail booths at all this show. Um, I thought it was better just to focus on the show this year. Wow. Um, yeah. And we've had that much interest where we look at ourselves as like, look, we have these amazing vendors that want to come in. We've already sold out two months ago. And uh, I moved some things around and said, look, it, we're just going to sell our own space, make room for these vendors, you know, some of the good ones that come in. Cause it's hard to say no when somebody's awesome, you know, and they want to come to your show and it's like, you're an awesome vendor. I have to fit you in here somehow. Um, so yeah, so that's what we're doing. Um, we have some other prizes where lost levels is going to be involved, but again, I want to wait for announcements on that. Um, but yeah, we're just tremendously excited how this show is getting put together. Um, we've gotten a lot of sponsors this year for the first time ever. Um, it's something that's kind of new to us, um, seeing sponsorship come in and, you know, know what to do and handle all that. But, um, yeah, it's, Really excited. It's like 60 days out now. 60 days, yeah. I mean, you're getting real close. Uh, how many vendors are we looking at here now? Yeah, I mean, you talked about the vendors. How many? Over 75. Over 75. Mm-hmm. And tell me the square footage again. 70,000. 70,000 square feet. And did we say the location? Yeah, it's at the Fairplex. Okay, Pomona Fairplex? Uh, it's actually just called Fairplex. Oh, there might just... be a confusion sometimes because there's something called the Pomona Fair, which is in the city of Pomona. Okay. But it's in Fairplex. It's in the city of um, Pomona, I know. It's confusing. Yeah, and that was uh, But the... talking to their marketing team, that's just how they want to market it. Um, okay. But it's, it's the grounds for the L.A. County Fair, the same area. Okay, and that's the same area you were last year? 
same area I was last year. We end up getting more space up front. Um, we got a gigantic stage this time around, but I think it's like five times larger than the last one because we're really trying to promote the music aspect of our show. We have about another, I think we're going to have like nine bands in total this year. What kind of bands are we, what kind of music are we covering here? Always video game cover music. Always. Always? <laughs> so, yeah, it's just always. I think we have one band. That's a secret. Uh, we'll, we'll announce. But they're going to be more of a 80s, 90s um, okay. pop culture kind of a band um, doing a lot of parodies and stuff like that. Um, they're called The Remotes. So they're a really cool band. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's really cool to see how this all put together. It's The floor plan's already been done and everything. But, yeah, there's probably over 50 retro gaming vendors by themselves. So as far as, like, collecting, you're going to find everything you want. <laughs> So I've been I've been actually thinking of trying to do something during the show myself, and I kind of want to run this by you live at the podcast. It'd be kind of fun. Okay. I wanted to see if um, I could complete a collection at my show. Okay. Um, uh, how so? How I like, want I want to see if I could target maybe I don't know something more practical, Dreamcast maybe or maybe sixty four. See if I could find every single cartridge at that show. Okay. At that weekend. Just like a snap a pick of it or like physically purchase. Oh, purchase. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, go around, purchase, and just build a collection, will and deal. Um, okay. And, you know, see how far I could get of completing uh, a set. Okay, yeah. All right. I, I'm with it. Um, well, I can help you maybe target a few collections. That would be realistic. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because the other thing is you can't use something like Xbox. The library is too large, and, uh, no. you know, vendor it's, space it's... is precious, so you're not going to bring, you know, games that are all $3 or whatever. No, no, yeah, that's that's just too much of a library to work on, too. Hmm. Okay, that, I'll have to think on on that. I think maybe you're right, though. Dreamcast is fairly popular right now. The library is of a a medium to good size. Uh, mm-hmm. It hits the bucket of it's not very. They're not huge, so it's not like Saturn where the games are you know tremendously large. So you can bring a large quantity of them, and most of them have value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think maybe Dreamcast might be a good target. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. And plus, I love Dreamcast, so why not? Well, you love. I'm I'm not a huge Dreamcast guy. It's my least favorite Sega console. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I'm an RPG guy, so there's not like a ton of great RPGs on there. There's a lot okay. of good games on the Dreamcast. There's a lot of great uh, shmups and stuff. I don't want to like diminish what the Dreamcast does, but I, I'm a shine. Like my favorite Genesis or Sega title is Shining Force, right? In all of its incarnations. That's a good one. And I can play it on every system except Dreamcast. Okay. And, so you, well, you even say Dreamcast is uh, is uh, worse than Sega CD, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I love a full handful of Sega CD games, but I don't know. I, I, look, I, I think if you if you like put my feet to the fire and said which has the better library, I'm going to tell you Dreamcast on individual titles. But as far as like well rounded and uh, you might be able, be able to argue Saturn, of course, NTSC, not. Not in imports. Yeah, well, I mean, Saturn, I think, has... Genesis has an amazing library, so you can't oh, undercut Genesis that. Genesis is the beast, of course. Genesis is king. Yeah, so it's like you can't... Like, people want to diminish Genesis, but... And, like, I'm a Super Nintendo guy, but Genesis had an amazing library. It did. Hand, hands down. But mm-hmm. Saturn, like, Saturn, if you look at import Saturn stuff, also an amazing library. Sega CD's library is just kind of like, oh, okay. You kind of <laughs> include that with Sega Genesis, though, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, then there's, you know, for me, and I, I ask this people of people a lot, do you consider Sega CD part of the Genesis set? Everyone always says no, but you, like, there's not really, like, no. to me, they're in the same, 
vein. Same with like thirty two X. Thirty two X, yeah. Thirty two X. It's like Well, like thirty two X says the boxes even say Genesis on them. So yes. what do you what do you want? Yeah. So to me those are Genesis games. <laughs> yeah, I mean essentially to me they are as well, especially since it doesn't have its own system that, that plays them independently. Right. So they're always linked, so there's not just like this. By the way, this only played Sega CDs, not not in America anyways. No, that would be cool. They might have been more successful. But I think they were trying to do the whole CD quality thing like PC Engine. Yeah, they were just they were building a thing. It, it was a Frankenstein. I mean, we can get into the history of, of how Sega America and Sega Japan fought there and how Sega Japan forced this on them and, you know, fuck things up, essentially. But yeah, pretty whatever. Much. Uh, all right. So what else can you tell me about Retro City Fest? Like you, you talked about some of the bands. You've talked about a lot of the tournaments. You told us about all the vendors. What else do we need to know? I mean, dates, right? Dates and prices. Hit me. Yeah, dates and prices. I mean, other than uh, before that, uh, one thing I'm, I am excited about putting together because I pretty much own the whole, I own a lot of stuff for the museum, is the museum. You know, I like putting that together. Uh, we get help from other collectors that um, bring stuff over, but it's it's kind of fun to spread out all your consoles and all your CRTs and and, and all, all your stuff for the museum out there and kind of just see it. It's And then uh, what, I, what I like, I started liking ever since I opened up Lost Levels, is kind of sharing your collection, letting people play it. You know, they, it's, it, it really does no good with all these consoles are in your buckets, you know, and it's it's cool to see people experience all this. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, I need a Nintendo. <laughs> so yeah, they that... go around and they go up to one of the vendors and they buy a Nintendo because a lot of these vendors usually have awesome startup kits there for cheap. Um, but, yeah, that's that's another thing I'm excited for, just a history museum, you know, uh, getting that all started. So how, how's the museum doing? You know, the museum is always one of my favorite parts. And like I was in Portland. You were in Portland. I was underwhelmed by their museum. A little bit. I thought it was really cool that they brought a whole nest set there and you got to see that. But um, some of it I felt was like a little some weird choices in there. Some of it was really cool. So what do you guys got going on in your museum? I thought Portland's was really cool. Um, I just think you see this stuff all the time like me. So it's it's kind of hard to impress you and I right now. That's when we fair. Go to these museums. Um, but what I what I have at uh, Retro City Fest is pretty much every single console ever made. Um, with the exception of the prototype that's not coming this year. It came last year. But uh, we have, we're going to have a lot of prototype consoles there, dev kits. Um, we have a lot of just old signage and stuff that we're going to put on display. Uh, a lot of memorabilia, but it's just a lot of consoles that you don't see too often. I think what our show really kind of rivals other shows is we have virtually every console there, even if it's on display for people to touch and play or even, you know, in, you know, behind, behind a rope. Now, this year we're gonna have tons of tables, and we're gonna have everything set up on tables this year, and we'll have like a little carpeted area where people kind of see this museum and kind of want to tell a story, you know, kind of where the history of video gaming was and where it's kind of headed, and that's kind of our goal to set up. Um, kind of, uh, it's really interactive. I think there's a little section in the museum that's gonna have an hourly, um, an hourly setup where it's like, hey, have you played the Sega Menacer? You're gonna be able to try it. Hey, you played Samba de Amigo on the Dreamcast of the Maracas? Here you could try it. You know, like little things like that that people have never really seen live or set up you're gonna play. have a genesis activator there <laughs> you know activator pad? maybe you know i i know we have one all right it's just if we want to fit it in the schedule because we're gonna do something like every hour um and then we want to make sure okay. enough people get to try it at least um but uh we'll have about i would say 90 crt and uh uh and console setups throughout the museum and then probably like another like 40 throughout the show um so you'll find any console any console that you love you'll find it available for you to play um, and, uh, my whole thing is how mess, you know, messing with all the CRTs, you know, having it all out there and just, I like having the CRT 
matched era of the console. So you'll see that too. And that's kind of like one of my favorite things to do because it makes sense and it just pleases my OCD. <laughs> okay. But yeah, Fair I enough. mean, Retro City Festival is so much to talk about and it's, you just got to go on our website. You know, you'll see the whole full list of vendors right now on the website. Um, so you'll see what who's coming and what they're bringing. Uh, I have like a little description of which each vendor is and what they do. Uh, RetroCityFestival.com. Um, the show dates are January 5th and 6th of next year. That's 60 days away. Um, right now, if you buy tickets online, uh, they're $35 plus the convenience fee online. Um, tickets will go up at the door. Um, but if you visit any of our Lost Levels locations, we will have physical tickets for sale, which will save you $14 if you buy them at our shop. And uh, we'll sell weekend passes oh, nice. probably until we run out. Um, we already printed out a bunch of $20 ones. Those ran out already. We printed out a bunch of $25 ones right now. We just actually just got them a couple days ago. And we'll probably make the announcement soon. Um, just stop by any Lost Levels location to pick up your tickets. Weekend passes are only $25 flat. So that'll save you 35% off online prices. So um, get them early because the tickets will go up at the door. Um, people um, people usually wait last minute, but I think this year people are starting to you know, understand that they're saving a lot of money if they buy them early. So grab them early. Plus, I think we'll probably give you a Retro City Festival sticker, too, on top of that when you come pick them up at the shops. Excellent. And, uh, you know, it's uh, not only get your tickets, an uh, excellent reason to come down and see the new store in Claremont. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. All right. Steve, do you have anything else you want to add? Any other you want to tell us about? Any other guests? Any other information you want you want to throw at our listeners today? No, just a big thank you to everybody. To everybody that's listening, to everybody that's a collector, to everybody that's ever been in the industry. Thank you so much um, for uh, supporting a hobby that's grown into a business. You know, I, I said in the, in the mid of the uh, the podcast, I couldn't have done any of this without you know having a community. And I, I, I do all this before my community. I love what I'm doing. And if there's anything, any suggestions you ever want me to do or, or do things from the show, please, I'm always all years because essentially Retro City Festival and Lost Levels is built for you. And um, yeah, just come on by, check us out and talk to us, hang out. We're all cool. Excellent. Well, Steve, thank you very much for your time. Give us a shout out again on the website. What's the website name again? RetroCityFestival.com or RetroCityFest, F-E-S-T.com. And that's January 5th and January 6th, correct? January 5th and 6th. It's a Saturday and a Sunday of 2019. All right, Steve. Thank you very much. Let us also know where we can find you and your stores on Instagram or other social media sites. Yeah, you can just look up Lost Levels Fullerton and or Lost Levels Claremont for both of our Facebook and Instagram. Or if you want to see what I'm doing, it's Stevens Lost Levels on social media on Instagram and just my name on Facebook. Well, thank you for your time today, Steve. Thank you for illuminating the process of, of getting a new store open, how to keep arcades, and uh, what it takes to get a convention up and going. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Always a pleasure. Thank you all. You know where to find me. I'm Johnny underscore Ayuchi on Instagram, and that's pretty much the place to find me. Thank you very much. Have a good night, and we'll talk to you next time.